are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast here for Westwood One. That would be me. Todd and Aaron are here as well. We would love it if you would join us. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Back from beautiful Iowa summer weekend. Gentlemen, you doing well? Very yeah. well, yes. Yeah. Got a little uh, hardware in the Erzin uh, household over the weekend? I certainly didn't because I can't run that fast. But yes, uh, in the household, yes. Yeah, it was really cool. Your DNA has got to take some of the credit for that. In the I, age of Trump, you just take credit for everything. That's right. It was me. It was me. I, I'm glorious. I mean, if it weren't for your DNA, she never gets the chance to show how fast she is, right? Indeed. So it is. It really, the credit, when you stop and think about it, Dad, it the credit the does top. go to you. It starts at the top. Yes. Indeed, it does. So congratulations Thank to the you. heirs and family for that. That had to be a pretty cool well, daddy-daughter moment, right? Really cool. Uh, sir. Uh, surreal is a term used too much, but yeah, to be amongst the nation's best and to see your daughter come away with three medals, it's, in, I, I have no words, so I'll stop. Well, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And we just wrapped up production for our CRTV show. And CRTV powers this podcast every day to make it free for you, the people. And I want to give our audience a little tease of what's coming up today at CRTV.com. Aaron, what do you want to tempt them with? Um, A great conversation on the roundtable today with Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. And... Um, I, I love I love talking about the state of the conservative movement with Bob because he is kind of like the conservative move. I, I shouldn't say that. That sounds like an insult. But he is he's actually a person who, um, if you can call it like a literal movement, Bob is actually part of whatever mm. shard of uh, conservative. So I like talking because he's got a great perspective always about it. Um, and it is it is frustrating to some extent. But it's also when you just boil it down to brass tacks or when you can get back down to brass tacks, um, apply Occam's razor to the state of the quote unquote conservative movement, whatever that is. Um, it's really not quite as depressing because at least there's an explanation for the state of why things are the, the, the way that they are. Also, in the opening segment, um, Breaking Bad and Maniacal Laughter was featured. So, Todd, that. If the that's last, a good tease. If the last couple intros Aaron has put together are any indication going forward into November 2018, I think, scientifically speaking, Aaron McIntyre alone may be responsible for creating a singularity of some kind <laughs> because it, it he's tapping perfectly into the essence of things, really. I, I think there is some marvelous alchemy. Should, he, should we going, nickname him Zeitgeist? Something's going on, yes. Yes. We're going to call him an alchemist? Yes. Nice. So as long nice. as it's not the singularity of a black hole, that would be unfortunate. Or maybe fortunate, Whatever depending on how things are going. You Actually, know what? Uh, sweet meteors of death can be a singularity. Yeah. yeah. Right? You only see a single one of those fly by because after that, you don't see anything else, right? Yeah. You see where I'm going with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh? Well, if you want to watch today's... <laughs> 
Picking up what Please. you're laying down. If you guys want to watch today's CRTV show while you still can, before that singularity grows and vacuums us all into the deep, dark void of space, CRTV.com, promo code DACE, and you'll get access to CRTV, every show we do, for barely a quarter a day. That's all it will cost you for a year, uh, not just for our show, but the great one, Mark Levin, and everybody else who's a part of the great team. Over 20 shows are producing now at CRTV. So CRTV.com, promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, just a quarter a day for you to subscribe. All right, so for our Weekend News and Views podcast, I'm going to make this one personal. Two epiphanies this time, I had. it's personal. <laughs> Two epiphanies I had over the weekend. One about the show, which is kind of a shorter one, and another about the culture, which will be a longer conversation. You guys okay with me going down this road? You bet. Today? What right. does that look like at home when you have an epiphany? Is it- Usually, I'm either mowing the lawn or I'm... Uh, yesterday was my monthly basement clean. And what I mean by that is that's when I do the wa- furniture waxing and vacuuming and stuff i do that once you a wax month. Furniture, furniture waxing yeah. yes dude, you I, buried I, the lead i'm the demet I, I was a mama's boy remember i didn't like hanging around with my old man so i learned how to clean from vicky man which means i can clean bro i had to teach amy how to clean do laundry she didn't do any of that stuff growing up i had to show her she'll tell you that i had to teach her how to do all that stuff man. so yeah so you're like a clean freak then i i am. how have you lived with me in this studio well, you'll notice last three years. you will notice the area I primarily inhabit yes. looks much different than yours. <laughs> I'm a bit of a nester. Yes, and I'm, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm of the opinion as long as it doesn't make its way to where I'm at, and you show that somewhere in there you can perform what we need you to do at a high level, I will put up with it. Now, ten years ago, I could not have abided that. Ten years ago, there was no performance you could have done that I would not have demanded uh, multiple levels of shelving and everything else for all this to be organized into, okay? So, well, so you did make me put up shelves, though. I did. I did. I did put up shelves. Yeah, but this would have been like a like the Rube Goldberg uh, uh, arrangement that uh, Todd likes to reference all the time. That Ten years ago, I'd have I'd have been twitching. Like, I had Tourette's over here. I could not have handled it. Uh, the dude could not abide, whatever that is. Yeah, like, speaking of dudes, though, is, is this admittance from you? Not that you, we've talked about this before. Is this a dude code violation, though? I mean, I, Aaron and I... That I like clean and organization? Well, at the level you do... My kids, when they were when my kids were little in their full house phase, they used to refer to me as Danny Tanner. <laughs> what? The dad from... Isn't that, wasn't that uh, Bob Saget's dad on the show? I, who was the clean freak guy? Okay. Of, my of, full house lore. Yeah, is and weak. I don't know. I hate the show with a passion. It annoys the heck out of me. But the kids loved it when they were little. And they used to refer to me as Danny Tanner. I think that was the dad's name. And his big thing was he was a big clean freak. Like, I'm really psyched up, psyched out right now because, like, for the last year and a half, Costco's cleaning wipes, they haven't been selling them. Yeah, okay. And a lot of... Aaron, back me up here. Yeah. Come on. And a lot of times, Costco's <laughs> Costco's cleaning wipes you can are just... I know it sounds weird. Like, I saw the Clorox ones out here in the break room. Like, those aren't very good. <laughs> They're not, I know, and they're, and they're much more expensive, but I'm just telling you, ladies at home, God, God. The, the Costco cleaning wipes, um, viscosity, the, the torque level, you can, what you can do with those, you know, is much, those are a much higher quality cleaning wipe than the Clorox ones, straight up. This, See, is, this, when- is, this is a clean freak. Like, I'm clean, more, more so at home, um, just because I have so much junk here out that I have to use on a fairly regular basis. Like, I'm clean at home. I run my robot vacuum every day or every other day. Um, you know, I may let some stuff stack up on my, on my chair in my room a little bit, but I usually, you know, every day or every other day, I'll, I'll clean it off. Other than that, though, I'm not, like, scrubbing or 
Wax. Let's get to the epiphanies because this whole yeah. thing's making this me uncomfortable. Is... Dear God. <laughs> Dear God, can we take that last 10 minutes back, please? <laughs> um, so I had one epiphany at church yesterday during the message. That's a good place for an epiphany. The other epiphany I had while cleaning the basement yesterday. And you know, when I clean the basement, man, I, I pair up my uh, iPhone to um, my uh, Axios uh, Bluetooth speaker I bought on Amazon. I bought this thing for... Ninety nine ninety five, and it crushes it, man. Like this is the best, less than a hundred dollar speaker you will ever hear in your life, you know. And so, I was rocking out to some, you know, classic rocket and some cleaning done yesterday. I had another epiphany. That's the longer one. Well, I was listening to some podcasts too, and that's when this epiphany came. That's the longer conversation we're going to have in a minute. Let's start with the shorter one first, okay? So I'm at church yesterday, and uh, we finished the series. Our church has been doing going chapter by chapter through Romans. And we've been doing this certain uh, series. We took a, a bit of a break over Christmas uh, to do uh, something uh, specifically Christmas uh, and incarnation oriented. But this series has been going on. We started going to this church in uh, September of last year, and they were three weeks into it. So this has been nearly a year that we've taken this, our church has taken us through Romans. And the sermon yesterday was really well done. I'm going to link it on our Facebook wall because our pastor um, sort of defied the the mega church stereotype by going after frauds by name and calling them out. And one of them was Rob Bell. Oh, wow. And you know, that's like my love language. All right, you know. Um, but in the middle of this sermon... Did you go all Pentecostal when he did that? <laughs> Just Preach! Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, in, the, in the middle of this sermon, I got an epiphany because I really liked what he was doing and um, I thought it was much in the vein of some of the stuff we've done on Theology Thursday in the past. And in the middle of this, I got an epiphany. You know we, what we haven't done yet on Theology Thursday? I we, wish the answer to that was eschatology, but nah, some, we've, we've gone down that road. <laughs> we've never done a Bible study. We're going to do one, I've decided. And I think if... Pastor Quentin at the church we attend can take a suburban megachurch verse by verse and all the stereotypes that goes along with that, right? Okay? All the suburban megachurch stereotypes. If he can take a suburban megachurch verse by verse through the most serious theological book in all of the Bible, I would argue. Romans. And you know, this is... Romans is my jam, man. And... When you tell me we're going to talk about Romans, I get both um, excited and leery at the same time. Excited because it's my jam, leery that you're going to punk out and water down what it says, and I'm going to have to call you on it. You know what I mean? And we didn't do that. I went through almost this. and In fact, I did go through the whole series with them because before we decided to attend this church, when I saw they were doing Romans, I listened to the first three weeks of sermons before we attended to see, because I knew if, if we go there week one and they're watering down Abbey Road, bro, you know what I'm saying? Sure. If we're getting like the disco remix of Abbey Road, I finna uh, have a I have a conniption fit. I'm out. Like I I you want to talk about going Pentecostal when he had it right yesterday? I'm going Puritan. If I walk in there week one, and we are giving you the disco remix of Come Together. I'm like, uh, grab the stockades, 
Right over there. Scarlet letters are back in the closet. Oh, and we're going to need waterboarding. Everybody, you must have a good waterboarding. Because I could, I could not abide that. I mean, Aaron's mess is one thing. I can learn to live with it, with his achievement level. I cannot coexist with watering down Romans. I can't handle it. So I'd have lost my stuff if that had happened. So that's why I thought, you know, before we attend, I better listen to the first few weeks and see if we're really, if they're really doing Romans here. And it dawned on me yesterday, we have never gone through a book of the Bible. So we're not going to go, so we're going to do that. It's going to start on Theology Thursday. The book will not be Romans. I will, I'm not going to tell you yet which book it is. And the reason why is, I, we're going to do this as laymen, casually. We're not going to have any commentaries. We're not going to look at the notes. We're not going to cheat. We're not even going to get learned people's opinions about what things mean in context. We're going to have this conversation amongst one another. Come now and reason together. And this will be a very theologically precise and driven book of the Bible. I know which one it is, but I'm not going to tell you yet what it is. It's also a book of the Bible I have not gone through in several years. I've never preached through it before, so I can't cheat either. All right, so when I was on the preaching team at our old church and we did books of the Bible like this all the time, we never did this book. So I have no previous commentaries I can lean on. I haven't, I haven't done a Bible study of this book in several years. And we are going to go verse by verse. And I don't know if it'll take a couple weeks, a couple months. I have no idea. But we're going stem to stern. What does this mean? How does it apply to who we are today? And we're just going to ask those questions all the way through. Then at the end, because I'm not going to answer questions until we get to the very end. Because we're going to probably get some stuff wrong doing it this way. Things will may, things that may seem right until we get to the further context of what the book says later on. And like, well, now that we see the context of what that meant, we need to reevaluate. We'll be answering questions until the cow come, cows come home. We will do a couple of that, at least one, maybe two podcasts following up on Theology Thursday. One, when we're done with the book. What are the lingering questions you have? Or you challenges to how we have addressed certain matters or interpreted them, whether we've rightly divided them or not. We're going to open it up to all of that, but not until we're all the way through. Otherwise, I think we'll never get through. You know what I'm saying? We'll just sit here and say, we'll just ponder letting our navels forever because we can never be theologically precise enough. So let's get to the end. And then, then we uh, will bring in the questions. It's going to be fun. And I'm not telling you guys what book it is either because I don't want you guys getting amped up, juiced up. I'm going to come in here on Thursday this week. I'm going to say, open up the scriptures to this book, verse one, and we're going to start reading. And you won't know what book it is until I say right then and there. I bet you I know. You think you know? Yeah, it's Leviticus. Right. Huh? It's Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. No, it's not Leviticus. <laughs> nice. My buddy Ricky, who goes to Dallas Theological Seminary, he he taught his Sunday school class. He w- he went verse by verse through Leviticus At, a couple that's of years ago. A brilliant and brave man, yes, no doubt. All right, I'm curious, and want you guys to both do something for me. I'm, it's not Romans. That's all I'm going to tell you. I want you guys to write down right now what book you think it might be. Where I'll, you know, we have the honor system here, the dude code, put it in your head. And we, when I tell you, open up your Bibles too on Thursday, 
And then I'm gonna look at you guys. Did you? Is that the book that you guessed we were gonna do? Okay. 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 All right. You guys. You guys. Do you like that epiphany? Yeah. You like that yeah. idea? Yeah. Yeah. That'll be great. Okay. Um, here's the longer epiphany too from over the weekend. I have been struggling with how to articulate this. I have. I've written this tweet like five times in the last month, and then I'm like, ah, that's not how I want to say it. So I'm not ready to say it yet. And I've deleted it. Um, I've thought about even writing this column. I'm like, I can't. I know what I want to convey, but I, I'm not, I don't have, I'm not over the target yet. I'm hovering around it. You know, I'm in the trench. I'm in the Death Star trench, but I don't see the, I don't see the thermal exhaust port on my Nava computer yet, you know? So ain't, ain't time to fire the torpedoes. I, I, so I'm in the I'm I'm hovering around it, but I'm this that's not my intended target. But I've been trying to put words to the denial we are living in as a culture with social media. Now there's another aspect of social media. We know it brings out the worst in us, right? We know that. People think they're anonymous and what they think they can get away with saying and tribalism. We know that. But it is actually also served a very laudable purpose that is backfiring backfiring on us big time. Where if I look at my Twitter feed and who I follow, you guys know I go out of my way. There are some people on the other side's political persuasion I go out of my way to follow so that I don't create, you know, an echo chamber around myself to see where the other side's thinking, where they're coming from and whether we can answer their challenges or not and, and whether they, you know, whether they have analytical data nuggets that we kind of gloss over because they don't fit our narrative, you know what I'm saying? And we've talked before that just as it is, it is correct to say Jesus' final words at the cross are, it is finished. It is a more precise translation to say he said it was, it is accomplished. So one's not incorrect, not false. It's just more precise to translate those words as it is accomplished, meaning the wrath of God is accomplished. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. I'm the fulfillment of the law. I will bear your sins upon myself. Leviticus will no longer be necessary, in other words. I will be the sacrificial lamb, the unblemished lamb. Um, similarly, it is correct to say we are polarized as a people. It is more precise, though, to say we are balkanized, that we are habitating in pockets of people who are genuinely more like us. And when I see the, these two countries play themselves out on my Twitter feed with some very smart people, and it's like two ships passing in the night, and I've, and I've been struck by both sides are openly airing their facts, and some of them are true, and their talking points, and some of them are true. I mean, how are the same people who are like, well, I don't really care how many women Trump slept with, um, but, you know, Hillary Clinton uh, tried to put down bimbo eruptions. 
and so she's a terrible person. Or how many people think Trump is a sexual predator, but I'm just going to pretend like, you know, Kathleen McKin- McKinley, or McQuin- what was her name? McKin- was it McKinley? And Juanita Broderick? Uh, were those, were those I their think names? that's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend like they don't even exist. You know what I'm saying? How, how do we do that? We're on the same platform, just practicing a level of denial. And I was listening to a podcast um, on my favorite Sirius XM sports channel, ESPNU. And they had an ESPN guy on. This is why I get so mad at ESPN, because I love it. That's why I don't want to see him ruin it. It's been a huge, it's been a huge blessing and joy to me since my childhood. Getting to see the sporting events and the stuff previous generations didn't get to see. I don't want to see him ruin it. That's why I get so mad. If I didn't care, I would have no opinion. I don't want to see them ruin something that's been a huge blessing to me in my downtime and in my private life. And two guys that they have on ESPN, and I have no idea what their politics are. I mean, you could probably guess if they're working for ESPN, they're probably left of center, but I don't know. Two just good old Southern boys, and they have a great podcast, okay? Marty and McGee. Marty Smith is one guy. Ryan McGee is his partner. And Marty Smith is a hoot. I mean, you got to, you got to. He's the one that goes to like, uh, does, goes to uh, Rome and Paris with Jim Harbaugh. Just went on a hike with Nebraska coach Scott Frost to the Grand Canyon. Okay, he does a lot of cool stuff, and he's a big NASCAR announcer as well. And and Ryan McGee does some really cool college football stuff. And they had him on talking about Urban Meyer and that story. You know, if you missed Friday's podcast with Rachel Barbeau about that and what happens when masculine leadership fails, you don't want to miss that. Go back and listen to that from Friday, okay? But he started talking about this, and he compared it to another football story. Stay with me. This is going to be a broader point than just these football stories. And that's the whole thing with Alabama's former starting quarterback who got benched in the national championship game. And now he's mad that all season went by and the, and coaches didn't tell him where he really stood. And now he's speaking out publicly. And whether you think that's right or wrong, and you know, if, you're the, if you're on a team, you keep that internal, you don't split a team like that, that that's a separate conversation for a sports audience. That's not why I bring this up. I bring this up because I want to give Ryan McGee credit for giving me my epiphany. I don't want to steal his material. He said said to the host of the show, I think we're coaches like Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, and granted, Nick Saban's management of a quarterback controversy is nothing compared to, let me keep a guy that beat his wife on my staff for 10 years. We're We're not drawing a moral equivalency, all right? He was making a broader point about coaches believing they can just arrogantly control all these storylines and they can't anymore because of platforms like social media. And he said something. And when he said it, I went, if my brain was a, was a status, it would have been mind blown. I was like, that's it. That's the, that's the, that's the thermal exhaust port. That's the target I've been hovering over. That's, that's the tweet I've not quite been able to construct. That's the column I haven't quite been able to, to write. And he said this. He said, in this day and age, everything is out in the open. Let me repeat that. In this day and age, because of social media, everything is out in the open. Here's what that means for what we do every day here on CRTV in Westwood One. 
or what anybody else in conservative media does or what people in liberal mainstream media do. And this is why we're getting more balkanized. We can't claim willful ignorance anymore. We can't lie to each other anymore about what we know and what we don't. We can't claim to be uninformed anymore. And this is why as the more open things become, the less unified we become as a people. Because you're sitting there watching what Trump says about women and the way he's treated women in the past, and you're thinking, that guy doesn't have the character to be president of the United States. And so I'm, I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to vote for the first woman president ever. And you put that on your social media feed, and the very first reply is going to be what? Clips on YouTube from 1992 with Hillary Clinton putting down Paula Jones, Jennifer Flowers, and bimbo eruptions all over the country. You're going to say those women who accuse Trump of blank and women don't lie. And the first reply you're going to get on your social media feed is a clip of Juanita Broderick doing an interview on NBC TV in 1999, accusing Bill Clinton of raping her. And you're going to have to make a choice right then and there when that happens. You're going to have to choose whether to ignore that, and that will create a response. You'll have to choose whether to acknowledge it and therefore abandon your original outrage. That will create a response. Or you'll have to choose to say, I don't believe her. I only believe the stuff that's bad when it's acute, when someone, when someone whose politics I don't agree with or whose team is different, uniform is a different uniform than mine is accused. I'm a huge Michigan fan. I love the Wolverines. My basement's painted maize and blue, guys. I have spent the gross domestic product of Bolivia on Michigan, the Michigan fan experience my entire life. I'm just going to tell you right now, because it's just who we are as a people. Switch the name Urban, Har- Urban Meyer with, with Jim Harbaugh. And nothing else is different. And we'd be having all the exact same conversations the other way. Jim might have a few, might have fewer people willing to lie to themselves about what happened because he hasn't won, you know, a national championship or three Big Ten titles at Michigan yet. But that would be somewhat mitigated by the fact he's also one of the greatest players in the program's history. He's a, he's a, he's a Michigan guy through and through. Urban Meyer's not. He's not, you know, yeah, I take that back too. He has a long time Ohio State ties. I forgot about that. I forget. You always think of his time at Florida. He's a Southern guy, but no, his original ties were actually Ohio State in the Midwest. But you know where I'm getting at? That's that's what we do. Now, I'm sure there are Ohio State fans who have legitimate reasons why they think Urban Meyer is not getting a fair shake. But most of them that want him to stay has nothing to do with whether they think he's getting a fair shake. You saw them on Twitter over the weekend. All last week it was, we don't know that he knew what happened in 2015. We don't know that he lied, right? That was the original claim, right? He puts out a statement Friday afternoon, news dump. 
I lied. I knew all about it all along. Suddenly the story changes from, yeah, well, lying to the media is not a fireable offense. We just moved the goalposts to the desired outcome that we want. And that would happen everywhere. That would happen everywhere. Because it does happen everywhere. Because up until the day Art Bryles got fired, there were a group of Baylor boosters trying to save his job. Because they like winning games. Not because they thought Art Bryles was a good guy, but because he put him ranked in the top 10 in the country every year. When previously they couldn't even get to a damn bowl game. Michigan went through this, something similar with a former coach named Gary Moeller 20 years ago. Gary Moeller got inebriated one night at a suburban Detroit restaurant, from what I recall, made a clown out of himself, embarrassed himself, and he got fired. That's not why he got fired, though. If Gary Moeller had had that exact same scene in that Detroit bar, restaurant, wherever that was, but it was after the 1992 season when they didn't lose a game and won the Rose Bowl, would he gotten fired, Todd? Hmm. No. They'd have found some sensitivity training. He got fired for making an ass out of himself after losing four games in back-to-back seasons when he was a preseason top 10 team. See what I'm saying? Yeah. If Urban Meyer was 9-3 and three last year, would we be talking about 30,000 people signing change.org petitions and let's rally in Columbus for the guy who kept the wife beater on staff? Would they do that for 9-3, and 8-4? and four? Don't think so. Nope. They'd be like, you know, that was a real good time to go moral high ground because so-and-so is available. <laughs> right? Sure. You know what I'm saying? That's who we are across the board. And this works the other way, too. We've gone from, on the right, there is no Russian collusion, no evidence of it. Trump over the weekend tweets, yeah, I lied to you about that whole, we were meeting over foreign adoptions. Don Jr. actually did have a meeting at Trump Tower with Russians about getting oppo research. And now the goalposts are moved to, oh, well, then that just means collusion's not a crime. We just move the goalposts. And then the very first person, when you tweet that out, the very first reply in your subtweet will be someone pointing out you move the goalposts. You will then respond with Fusion GPS and the, and the Clinton Foundation. Where do, you, where do you have any credibility? To, you see where I'm going with this? Imagine if they had Twitter during the time of the judges. <laughs> That's what's happening right now. In those, time, in those days, Israel had no king, so everyone did what was wise in their own eyes. And now imagine we got to see what was wise in our own eyes like this all the time out into the ethereal, into the bloodstream, instantly injected into the cultural, into the zeitgeist, into the norm all the time. And then you'd come to the realization, everybody's so corrupt, I have to put up with a certain level of corruption on my own side to stop the other, which means I've got to willfully participate in a lie. And then you get mad for those among you that don't want, aren't willing to do that, aren't willing to go that far. You'll view them as traitors and softs and sellouts. And some of them are. Some of them won't go that far because they actually have been working for the other side all the time. See Bill Crystal. Some of them won't go that far just because their conscience won't permit it. But you'll justify it. And then how you'll get around it is, I'll just mute and block everybody that challenges me on this. Only follow, friend, commiserate with people in the same balkanized, tribalistic sphere I'm in. 
and they in turn will do the same. And we'll know more about each other than we've ever known. And as a result, and maybe not coincidentally, we will hate each other more than we ever have. And that's, that's what social media is doing. It's not just taking vandal, vandal, you know, dirty limericks on a bathroom wall and making it commentary. We all recognize that part of it. We all recognize the seedy underbelly of it. We all recognize neo-Nazis, Antifa, uh, you know, Pepe the Frogs. Uh, we, we all recognize the bad stuff. Anti-Semitism, we all recognize that. What's happening is when, when people decide, well, some of this bad stuff works to my benefit, so let's promote it and tolerate it. That's out in the open now. And you can't go back. I saw something on Twitter today that just impressed me immensely. A gentleman named Calvin Daniels. I pointed out, this is the, every day I, one of the, I check my Twitter feed to get caught up on news headlines in the morning. And invariably, there is always a tweet from somebody. I see this tweet literally every day, guys. Conservative columnist rips Trump. And every time I clip on it, click on it, it's always Jennifer Rubin. <laughs> that no one in conservatism thinks is a conservative. And all I, put, all, I, all I said was, if you want people to believe you're not biased, stop persisting in branding somebody as something they're not. When it's clear, again, everything's out in the open. It's clear with the naked eye. You can't get away with lying to me anymore. So that's the thing, too. You can't get away with lying to me. Oh, but more than ever before, I can get away with lying to myself. First tweet, this Calvin Daniel says, this is what we keep seeing in conservative media, that somehow media has a higher responsibility to the truth compared to the president of the United States. I never said anything about the president of the United States in my tweet. I tweeted back to him. I said, first of all, I've got 100,000 tweets out there. Go see if you can find one where I'm defending the president lying because he lies a lot. See if you can find one where I've defended him lying one time. And I said, secondly, Calvin, you're doing what you're accusing me of. You're actually saying because the president is dishonest that the media gets to be dishonest too. You're doing what you accuse me of. And you know what Calvin did after I did that? He said, you know what? You're right, I was wrong, I'm sorry. I made the mistake. I'm seeing too much of this garbage from fellow conservatives in the media and it's annoying me. And when I saw your tweet, I automatically grouped you in with them and I shouldn't have done that. And when he said that to me, you know what I said back to him? Apology accepted, man, because I'm frustrated by that, and I have done to others what you did to me. That's what's rare, is that exchange. Everything's out in the open. And, you know, you've heard this the, the, the saying, it's never the crime, it's the cover-up, right? Going back to Watergate. What would have happened if Urban Meyer would have just told the truth at Big Ten Media Days? We go back to the very first crime in the history of the world. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve in the garden. And after they commit the very first crime, Eve, a crime of commission, she commits actively a sin. Adam, 
a crime of omission. He doesn't act as he is supposed to, as the head. When God confronts them in the next chapter, what has Adam done between the time of the first sin, the first crime, and when he is confronted by God, what has he done? Do you remember? He has covered up. He's covered up. Who told you you were naked? God says, he's covered up. You ever wonder what would happen if Adam would have said, you know, God. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be in the history of the world the very first you had one job meme. Okay. Uh, you gave me one job. Uh, you handed me a planet and told me I have dominion over it and um, I'm to subdue it by your name and your law. And very first time you, I get tested uh, with the most, the being I cherish the most in this world, this woman you gave me. And while she is being deceived and succumbs to it, that deception, I just stood there and gobsmacked, man, I know what to do. So I did nothing. And then I didn't want to make her feel bad. I didn't want to let her down. So I kind of just felt like, you know what, man, I'll just do it too, you know. And then I had this rush of shame and rush of guilt. So right away I knew I did something wrong. So this is on me, man. I'm in charge. Don't blame it on anybody else. Don't blame it on her. Don't blame it on the, this one's on me. What do I need to do to make this right? And I've often wondered if the God who would spare not even his own son to bear the vengeance, billions upon billions upon billions of sinners and blasphemers deserve upon himself as one individual. If maybe right then and there, if Adam had done that, we might have learned for the first time that mercy triumphs over judgment. But that's not what Adam did, is it, that time? No. No, he, from the cover up, he then began to cover up. And this woman you gave me, this is where throwing under the bus started. Yes, yes. And we have been doing this as a species ever since. And we do this to each other on social media all the time. The problem is, more than ever before, our nakedness is out in the open. This is why I struggled so much with the Roy Moore story. It wasn't just personal for me because I've known the man for years. It was professional. You guys were here. You know what that was like. I'm trying to figure out, what do I say if he's exonerated? I, I, do I want to put a bunch of stuff out there that, you know, ruins my credibility if he's exonerated? What if he's, what if he's not exonerated? Do I want to, right? See, that's the, that's the battle most of us don't fight. Right. It's not hypocrisy. Show me a good parent and I will show you a hypocrite. Any, but any, any life coach, any counselor, any doctor, think doctors only eat healthy foods 100% of the time but never done anything to endanger their body? No, of course not. Which means anytime they tell you not to do those things, they are there for, by definition, what? A hypocrite. You ever been a hypocrite, Todd? A few times. You ever told your daughters not to do things you did and liked? Yeah. 
We're all hypocrites, guys. Hypocrisy is not the issue. It's the lack of self-awareness. See, it's that we're not game planning out. If I go down this road with this person, what's the next two or three steps if A happens or B happens? That's the problem. Changing your mind is not hypocrisy. Learning a lesson in life isn't hypocrisy. What we are often calling hypocrisy is the lack of self-awareness. It's Dan Rather refusing to be honest about the fact he tried to lie about George W. Bush to engineer the outcome of an election in 2004. He felt morally justified to lie about because he thought the Iraq war was that wrong. And so he lied and he lost his career over it. And now he's all over the media, he's all over Twitter every day talking about Trump attacking hardened journalists who are doing real news. Well, everybody that's ever done journalism has gotten a fact wrong because they're human. So there's no one we could find to defend journalism who has a perfect record. Why? Because no one has a perfect record. That's why we need a savior. So by definition, then we're all hypocrites. Rather's problem isn't his hypocrisy, it's a lack of self-awareness. No humility for his past mistakes at all. No even recognition of them. And now it's all out in the open. And we see. And we hate each other even more. Because now I've got that one cousin I already don't like. That one uncle who annoys the hell out out of me at Thanksgiving. And he's out there retweeting Dan Rather. Fraud of frauds. Are you freaking kidding me? I can't stand that. I got one more reason to blow up Christmas this year when we get together when I see that guy. And he's watching you go to bat for Alex Jones. This is censorship. Facebook, A, sucks, but B, is a private company. They can put whatever the hell on it they want. They can ban us if they want. I believe we all just sat here and said, you don't get to tell private businesses what to do with their product. Didn't we all just have this argument about Christian bakers and florists? And all of a sudden we think it's okay to tell Facebook what they do with theirs? Facebook's not the government. They can censor over the hell they want. I wouldn't give Alex Jones a platform either. So then what happens is that crazy relative you can't stand is watching you lose your poop over Dan Rather And then you'll retweet five minutes later, we got to stand with InfoWars, guys, because this is just, uh, this is the camel's nose under the tent. So he looks at your lack of self-awareness. This is, I mean, the guy with the gay frogs who attacks uh, the victims of uh, Sandy Hook. That's your hill to die on. That's the credibility argument we're going to have. And you're arguing with me about Dan Rather, who blew one story when for 60 years he was a great journalist, which that's not true either. But that's the arguments we're going to have, right? And here we go. Fire it up. Yeah, fire up the War of 1812 Overture. We're off. America, baby. That's what's happening today. And it's all out in the open. And everybody is seeing how bad everybody else is. And since there's no appeal to do better, to, you know, maybe find a savior... Someone who could transform me from whom I once was to whom I was supposed to be. I will just commiserate with people whose brokenness is similar to mine and are offended by the same brokenness of others that offends me.
And that's all out in the open too. And so I may say, I, I, I'll put qualifiers on it. Well, I don't think Alex Jones is a conservative. I don't like him. But man, I, I shared that story when, when he had President Trump on. I shared that story when he interviewed him, though. I shared that. Or a gateway pundit. It's a freaking fraud. I won't let that stuff on my wall. I won't retweet it. I won't even look at it. So I'm censoring it too because I think they're frauds. Same reason I don't look at Mother Jones. Frauds. <laughs> I don't look at frauds. We kind of like frauds when they're doing what we want them to do. Say what we want them to say. But the problem is that gets shared, retweeted, shared on Facebook. It's in somebody else's news feed. And now it's all out in the open. And that lesbian cousin of yours who comes from a family where her daddy was abusive or wasn't around for her, so she really never had a strong masculine role model. Now she thinks she's same-sex attracted. And she's had the first, uncon- the first she believes, and sincerely, the first exposure to unconditional love in her life from another human being. It just happened to be from another woman. And you're trying to reach her. This is sin. God doesn't want you to do that. Then she hop-laps on your Facebook wall and sees Stormy Daniels a lying whore. And I don't care how many porn stars uh, Trump banged because Gorsuch. Then you wonder why she doesn't return your calls, doesn't follow up on getting invited to church. Boy, that probably made some of you uncomfortable, didn't it? It's all out in the open now. And that's why we're getting increasingly balkanized. I'm going to let you guys have the last word, but I'm going to close with this anecdote. The late Dr. R.C. Sproul, I once heard tell this story. And he was teaching at his own seminary which means it was hard. <laughs> and he had to grade it on a curve so anybody could pass. <laughs> All right? And this is a very conservative reform denomination. So the only, may, only men in the, in the pulpit. But there was, you know, n- no abolition against women coming to the seminary to study theology, get degrees. It's just they rarely did because the intent of getting these degrees was to, you know, become a minister. He had one woman in his class one year and she was the best student that he had. And she is scoring a lot higher on these exams than the rest of the class. Well, you guys know what happens to a curve when that happens, right? When one, but when, when there's an outlier, what that does to the bottom of the curve and all of a sudden the people at the bottom of the curve because the poop rolls downhill. She's, she's, she's a pariah. She's persona non grata. Their students hate her. So they give, an, they give another exam, and she fails it. And Dr. Sproul's like, I know she knows this work. 
we had these discussions in class and she was finishing my questions, my answers. She was answering my questions before I gave the question. So he said, I called her in one day to my office hours. I wanted to meet with her privately and find out what was going on. And she sits down and comes in and he begins asking her about why she failed the test. And she tries to give him excuses. I didn't study. So he's like, come on, I know you know this material. What's going on? What happened? And tears well up in her eyes. And she says, I just came to this seminary because I, I wanted to meet, I wanted to study God's word. I, wanted, I thought, what better place to go and meet a future husband than a place where they're teaching similar theological convictions to mine and men are stepping up to take on one of the most important and difficult responsibilities any man can ever have on this earth. And that's the kind of man I want to marry. And I wanted to do ministry with them and lead the worship and women's Bible studies. And I thought this was a great place to meet a husband. And she goes, instead, what's happened is all these guys hate me. And I thought if I failed, if I wasn't as good, they might like me more. And Dr. Sproul says he learned a very valuable lesson there, even among believers. We will very rarely, when we see the outlier doing the right thing, look at one another and say, be more like him or her. We will more often attempt to tear them down and ask that person to instead be more like us. And that is exactly what we do on social media every day. Be as broken as me. Be as dishonest as me. Be, lack all the self-awareness that I do. Affirm me in those things while I affirm you. And then condemn others who are not in our particular camp of brokenness as I condemn them. And do it all out in the open. Final thoughts, gentlemen. Well, um, that was a tremendous, uh, tremendous monologue on on just um, just what we see. I, I know many of us who who listen to this podcast. Um, you are probably fairly active on social media. I think I'm safe in assuming that, or at least a large portion of you are. So this is very applicable. I think to uh, to you, and the other person who it's applicable to is myself as well, because <laughs> I do this. I'm guilty of this, like almost every single day. Maybe even every tweet or a good portion of every tweet. As you were talking, I kind of i I kind of got in, off into la la land, and I thought started thinking about this guy that. Um, when you started talking about Roy Moore, this guy who you would know the name, very prominent um, writer in conservative media, and how this guy was just all over Roy Moore with no... Before the allegations before came Before the out. allegations yeah. came out, and 
And when the allegations came out, no, no hard evidence, just buried the guy. While you were saying that, I, just because, uh, just out of, I don't know, uh, I don't want to say hatred, but just to have my own feelings about this guy confirmed, I went and did a Twitter advanced search for all the times he's talked about Urban Meyer. And you know how many times he's talked about it? It's a very, very low number. Hmm. Why did I do that? Why did I need to do that? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's fun. Why did I, because I wanted to have my own, my own thoughts about this guy confirmed. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's not necessary. I mean, it's, it's just not necessary. It's stuff like that. It's just, it's putting out a lot of effort just to have your own bias or feelings confirmed, putting out any effort instead of just trying to figure out what the truth is. I think we're all guilty of that, but I know this this conversation is definitely convicting for me. Todd? Well, we feel that way, I think, because we're, we're all desperate. Um, those on the left, those like us, we we feel that there's an existential tension going on, a fight for civilization, a way of life ending. We think that's bad. Uh, There's the side that we feel we are combating that thinks we are on the precipice of uh, realizing a sort of Valhalla. Uh, Both are desperately trying to hold on to something that um, is hard to negotiate on a daily basis in a way that doesn't end up in the kind of scenarios you're talking about. I just had a moment like this in my own front yard. You know, you come here, you, you, uh, you do this, you engage in this battle. I'm sitting, uh, in my, uh, uh, yard at the end of a day, uh, letting my dog out. My dog is an incredibly, uh, well-trained, never leaves the yard, anything like that. And there are these two people who walk their golden retrievers on a leash who are, um, you can tell they really, really like themselves. And so my dog will watch them from afar when they see them coming, walk right on the sidewalk, will not go up to them. But when they pass, we'll walk over, try it over to where they are and, and sniff what they're doing. And these people see me on the porch and they look at me and they say, well, I guess we know who doesn't know how to train their dog. That is life these days. <laughs> it, I, and I, I, I let them have it. I let them have it hard. Uh, I let them have it hard in a way that my wife pulled me aside afterwards and said, I know, but the kids heard some of that, and um, that's not a good thing. And she, she was not wrong. You feel like you are, you feel like you have, if I stand there and just take this, I, all is lost. 
you're coming in here and you're t you're taking a leak on all that I hold dear. My, you're walking through my yard and that cannot stand. So you are just daily involved in that sort of fight. Uh, it's, it, I go back to where I started. It, it feels desperate at times. You feel like you, you have either you fight or you die. And when you have to make, Steve, you talked about this in the past about um, sometimes the right thing to do is just make a choice, even if it's the wrong one, mm -hmm. you know? I, I think that speaks to a lot of this thing. And boy, are we making a lot of the wrong choices, man. But then on the other hand, what happens if we don't engage? What happens if we just sit back and pull back? Uh, I, th this is my stream of consciousness. I, I don't have answers for you uh, on this. All I know is that just in my very own life, I felt on something as inconsequential and the big thing of, of, of dogs in the yard walking past on the sidewalk, I felt the need to fight and fight hard. Um, we are all walking a razor's edge, and I hope that the grace of God saves us from ourselves before it's too late. Well, let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Don't forget crtv.com, promo code DACE, if you want a discounted subscription, just a quarter a day to CRTV. Hey, if you've got time today, uh, please click subscribe. They're on iTunes and Stitcher. If you have even more time, leave us a positive review. The more of you that do that, the more of you that get a chance to hear about us. Thank you to all of you that have done that already. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.